Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daftes Vav in Maseches Sukkah. And although we are starting 19 lines up from the bottom and Yud Dalet Amid Bez, we do have Tes Vav Amid Bez to uh, hopefully get us home to the end of Tes Vav today. But we'll never get there if we don't start now. So let's do it. Itmar, Hafran al Fascinating question. We have been discussing the concept of Nisarim, right? Uh, just to reorient ourselves in the Mishnah and the topic. Nisarim are wooden boards. Wooden boards, one would think, are perfectly kosher for schach. After all, they grew on the ground. They're cut off of the ground. They're not makabal tumah. They don't have any kli kibul. They're fantastic. However, the problem is they're used as material for sealing. And, as Rashi uh, put it so sweetly, um, if you're sta- sitting in your shack and you're looking up and you're seeing these ceiling materials above you, you might come to say, well, if I'm going to be down here, be under this ceiling, I might as well be under the ceiling of my own home. And that certainly, as Rashi points out, would not be a uh, fulfillment of the mitzvah of sukkah. And therefore, there's a gazera, there are banan against using such ceiling materials. Now, the question is, does that make the materials inherently usser or do you have to... Uh, construct them as one would the ceiling, which is to say, let's say you took the same nasarim, these wooden boards, and put them on their side. Well, does the Xeris Tikra apply to the material, to the chefza, if you want to say it that way, or does it apply to the material, but only in a specific ceiling construction orientation? Well, that is the very question of our Gemara right here. Hafchan al tzidayin. Ravuna amar psulav, ravchistava rabba ravuna amrik sheira. Ravuna said, it's inherently puzzle. Of course you can't do that. And Ravchistan Rabba, was he Bar Ravuna? Was he Ravuna's son? Sounds like it. You know how the rabbi's son thought it would be Kashera. So Ikla Rav Nachman Lasura, when Rav Nachman came to the city of Surah, Ula Gabe Ravchistan Rabba Bar Ravuna, so he went to Ravchistan and his buddy, Ravuna's son, Rabba, to their sukkah, and Amrile, they asked him, Hafchan, or they went to the base from Hadrish, and they, they were learning Masech sukkah. And they said to him, What would you say, Rav Nachman, is the status of these Nisarim when they're turned on their side? So Amr Lahup Sula, Rav Nachman said, Yeah, it's, it's possible. Okay. Not only that, Nasu Kishpudim Shil Mateches, which is a, right, a definitive way of saying that these Nisarim are inherently puzzle, which is what we're saying, right? We're saying if you turn them on their side, it's inherently puzzle. They're not actually Shapudim Shil Mateches. Shpud and Shemateches are Mechabal Tumah, right? Are actually inherently puzzle. They don't actually fit the material requirements for Schach. But what he's saying is that once you have a Gezeras Tikra on these Nisar materials, it doesn't matter how you orient them, right? It's going to be puzzle regardless. So this was Rav Nachman's answer to Rav Chistav Rabba So they went back and reported to Dad. They said, guess what? Rav Nachman agreed with you. So Amar Lahu Ravuna... So Ravuna said to them, Lo Amri Amri Kavasi. What, do you think he would say otherwise? Or do you think he would disagree with me? Of course Ravnachman said like me. Sarmulay, so they said to him, Umi Amar Mar, time of Wow, why are you coming at us so so strong and saying that of course you would agree with me? Did we did you tell us some sort of Svara for your halacha and we rejected it and rebelled against your Pshat? No, we didn't say anything. Um, so Amalu, to which he said to, to them, And did you ask me for a reason and I didn't give it to you? So this little chinuch, right, give and take, 
uh, going on where it seems like Rav Huna had given the same stock, obviously, as Rav Nachman. That's clear that he did, that the Nasarim of Gazeris Tikra are, are inherently uh, usher to use. And then, uh, and then Rav Chista and Rabba Bar Rav Huna, I guess they didn't have the Svara. So they clearly says Amri Ksher. They said that that would not be the case. And apparently there was some sort of Svara missing in what Ravuna had taught them. And so they were almost surprised to hear Rav Nachman see that they, to see that Rav Nachman agreed with Ravuna. And when they confronted Ravuna about it, he said, yeah, this, it's a great, of course he agrees with me because I have a great Svara. And they say to him, well, we never had the privilege of hearing that Svara. So then they went back and forth. He says, well, did you have to hear the Svara, et cetera, et cetera. So a little chinuch uh, dynamic here. But the bottom line is that the Svara of both Rav Huna and Rav Nachman is that once you have the Gezeris Tikra, the Nisarim are inher- inherently considered to be a puzzle. So now the Gemara is going to say, Rav Huna has a support in a b'risa as follows. This is a b'risa about a specific sukkah that's going to be puzzle. How is it? How so? In the following way. First of all, it doesn't have enough of Kedei Rosh Hashanah B'Shilchano. So that, as we know, is the minimum dimension of the Sukkah. We will be talking about this in the future soon. But the bottom line is, let's say the walls, this is, there. you might say that the walls don't have the same, um, right, they certainly don't have the same halachas as far as the, uh, that like the schach does with regards to what the material could be, the walls do have to um, be functional as far as not allowing a herd of um, goats to be able to go right through them. Right, they have to have some um, right some uh, protection aspects to them. The way they are constructed, we'll get to that, but certainly that would be absolutely sukkah. Interesting. Or if you put on one of these right gazeras tikra type wooden planks. So, so far, we're not sure how it's oriented, but here's the end of the b'risa, which says, So the end of that b'risa says, and implies, that this wooden board is going to be usher, the gazeras tikra would make this wooden board usher, even though you don't get the full four t'fachim width of the wooden board, that is going to be involved in the Xeris Tikra. We're not going to uh, jump back in yet. We will eventually uh, discuss this, but we, you might recall there was a Machlokas Rebbeir and Rebbe Huda as to whether uh, this, this Xeris Tikra Machlokas has to do with above three Tfachim, between three and four, or whether it's above four Tfachim. We'll talk about that. But let's assume for now that the Xeris Tikra was on four Tfachim wide boards. So in this particular Brisa, we see that the sukkah, the sukkah is puzzled, even though only three tfachim wide of the board are actually right um, are actually implemented here in the sukkah, which is implying that the board is oriented in such a way that you're not getting again the full iser for tfachim because there's tikra, and therefore still the fact that the sukkah is puzzled seems to indicate like Rav Huna and Rav Nachman that the Gezeris Tikra is on these boards regardless of their orientation. However, the Gemara says this b'risa is not necessarily proof for Rav Huna because hechidami, lav kegon shavchan first the Gemara says that it does, right? That how are you going to get three tvachim of these nasarim 
is it not by orienting it like on its side, let's say, in some way where you have a three by four and you took the three, right? Obviously, by the fact that it's Nisarim, it has to be four Tvachim wide. But why are you saying three Tvachim? Perhaps because you put it on its side. The Gemara then says, no, not necessarily. Lo. Hachem ma'eskinan. Kigon. De'ancha apuma demitaltala. Demitalalasa. Mancha apuma demitalalata. Right? You put it over. What's the meat? Apuma demitalata. It's on the entrance of the sukkah. A mitalalata is a sukkah. In Aramaic. Anyway, you put it on the entrance of the sukkah. The ayal tlasa legave ve'apek chad levar, which means tlasa legave, right? Three tfachim of the width. So again, what's the case here? The case is not that you put the four tfachim wide board on um, like a regular ceiling. You put it on its, and it's not like you put it on its side, rather. It's that you put it on like a regular ceiling and only a tefach jutted out. And so the overall effect was with respect to the actual, call it ceiling of the sukkah, only three of the four tefachim are within, let's say, the boundaries of the walls of the sukkah. But but there's one tefach that's sticking out outside of the perimeter of the sukkah. However, it's at the opening of the sukkah, as you see in the art scroll illustration. This is all the Il Anishmas of Chaim Zev Melinowitz Atzal. So you see at the opening of the art scroll, um, in the art scroll illustration, it's at the opening. What does that uh, help? How does that uh, work? Says the Gemara. The Havale Psal Hayoitse Min HaSukkah. Psal Hayoitse is something we'll discuss at great length. But Psal Hayoitse Min HaSukkah, first of all, Psal is the word that we're going to be using for bedatz schach. Psal means bedat, like schach. The best schach in the world, um, from the word psolos gerem v'yekev, which is the best materials you could possibly imagine, is psal. So psal means schach. It, this has the din of psal ha-yoytzim in a sukkah. When you have schach that extends beyond the sukkah, b'chol psal ha-yoytzim in a sukkah, nidon kasukkah. So, what this means is as follows. That... The sukkah has, right, the perimeter of the walls, right? However, at its opening, some of the schach juts out further. What is the halacha of the schach that juts out beyond the walls? It's the halacha of sukkah, which is to say, if you're sitting, let's say you have, um, let's say Andrew and Barry, um, now that you guys have your newfound rekindled relationship and everything's cool, you could have each other over for, um, for meals, or we could even make a seum in Andrew's sukkah. <clears throat> I'm just clearing my throat because I have something in my throat. Hold on. <clears throat> we could have a seum in your sukkah, Andrew. So let's say we had a seum in his sukkah and we have a large crowd, right? Could you sit on the portion underneath the schach that juts out beyond the perimeter of the sukkah? Would that be kosher sukkah? So we're going to learn this at greater length, but the answer is yes. In other words, the schach is what matters. Aye, there's no walls in that area. It's open space. It's just ceiling. There is no walls. So up to a certain extent, we'll see how much. When you have psal, that's yotze, obviously just regular schach suspended in air, as we've already learned, it's not going to be considered kosher. But if it's jutting out of a kosher sukkah on, we'll call it, its fourth open wall, you could sit under it. So usually that works lakula, right? That means that it's kosher sukkah and you could sit under it. 
for the overflow crowd. In this case, it works lechumra, right? In this case, that's why it's usher. Because when the Brisa said three tvachim, it said three tvachim within perhaps the airspace of the sukkah itself. But it really was a four tefach board, and mind you, not oriented on its side, but rather flat the way it would be in a ceiling, and that's why it's usher. So you're using the psal yotze to add the extra tefach that it juts out to the overall width of the board. And so when the Bryce has said three tvachim, it really meant the three tvachim inside the airspace of the, of the sukkah. But the sukkah is still usher because really, if you looked at the board in its own right, you would include the tefach that sticks out and it would actually be a four tefach board laid out in the orientation of an actual tikra. And of course, it would therefore fall into the gezerah of gezerah's tikra. And of course, it would therefore be puzzle. And therefore, the fact that this three tefach board is puzzle is as obvious to us as Eina Machzekes Kedei Rosh Hashanah Shulchano or Nifzapir Sekedei Shitaker be right Bagdi right all the other psulim in that sukkah and the brisa that are obvious to us are equally obvious for this because it is a full blown Gezeras Tikra. So that is the end of that uh, shtickle over there, and we arrive at the Mishnah on the top of Tesvav and Aleph as follows. We're back to a Tikra here. Still on this topic, as follows. Tikra she'ena le'amaziva. This is a fascinating question. Person has a house, an actual house, but they live in a shack. Okay, they live in a shack. Um, now the shack has a roof made out of these nasarim. Let's assume Fort Fachim nasarim. So there's no questions about that for now. Um, that becomes an issue in the Rishonim, but we're going to try to take the Rashi high road here and stick with this regular four tefachim nesar. Okay. So the tikkura doesn't have, but what does it mean, it doesn't have plaster on it. So it doesn't look like the finished ceiling in Andrew's house. It just looks like the, you know, the roof of a shack, but on there certainly would be a gazeras tikkura. That's a fascinating thing we should say outside first. Is there a gazeras tikkura on an actual tikkura? Meaning, if you're in your house, and you say, you know what? I'm moving from 6110 Rusk to 6106. So while, before I move, maybe I should just tur- turn 6106 into a sukkah. It would be the most kishmak sukkah ever. We'll just sort of like use the roof and modify it into a sukkah roof, and then we'll have the best time, right, in that sukkah. So how would you convert, right, a house? You don't have to rip off the plaster because ain't la ziva. You only have the wooden planks. So now how are you going to convert this house into a sukkah? So we have a machlokas as to what would be necessary to do in order to convert this house into a sukkah, this shack, we'll call it. Rabbi Huda Oimer, so fascinatingly, Rabbi Huda is going to introduce the sheet of Beit Shama and Beit Silo. I don't know if we've seen this yet in Shaz, where you have a different Tana introducing what Beit Shama and Beit Silo say. We will soon see why that is. Rabbi Huda says, Beit Shama Oimer mefakfek venotel achan mibena saim, Let's talk about what these two methods are. Rabbi Yudha says as follows. There's two methods. One is mefakfek. Mefakfek means, and Rashi explains, we're going to go with Rashi here. Mefakfek means that you take, right, each of the boards and you lift them all off, right? All the boards, we're going to say for now, right? This is going to be a question, Rishonim, but we're going to stick high road. You take all the boards and loosen them all up. In other words, this is a house. This is a shack. So all the boards were nailed down. So you undo all the nails and you knock all the boards loose 
and you put it back on. Now, why would you do that? Well, very simple. In order to have a schach on a sukkah, it can't be ready-made. You can't just take the house. You have to knock off the boards. This is what? Rabbi the Rosh. Rabbi Shimon Isaacson Shalita, our next-door neighbor and dear, dear friend, has a pergola with wooden slats that are small enough that there's no xeris nasarim on them. It's there all year round, and they go into slots, and so, but he keeps it all year round. And then, before Pesach, he loosens them all up, lifts them, and puts them right back down. That's how he constructs a sukkah. Because, after all, this is, right, mefakvek, and that is how it works. Okay, that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is no telachas time. That's a totally different thing. That's when you leave the actual, some of the planks, um, right, hammered in, you leave it in, but every other one, time, you take out a whole bunch, now you've taken them out, and as Rashi points out, right, you're not taking out every other, right, right, because what are you doing? Because you're taking the airspace that you've now been left with and you stick schach on top of it. Oh. Now we're going to get into, uh, is it the exact amount of, air, of airspace to, to boards? So we'll see. We'll see whether this is a commentary on what do you do when you have exactly chetzi chetzi, as they say. But let's assume for, the, for our purposes now, just so we can get through the Mishnah, let's assume that you have a little bit more, right, schach than, than boards, and you're good. So again, two ways to do it. You can either take out the boards and, uh, right, uh, take out the boards and put them back to avoid tasavilamina asui. Or as Rashi says, you could just not put back the boards, but take out a little bit more than half and just put on regular schach. Then you don't have any issue of tasavilamina asui. And then you don't even have to do pikbuk to the other two. Now what's fascinating is, according to Rabbi Huda, Bechamai wants you to do both. Why would you need to do both? Basila makes sense, right? Basila says, do one or the other. Either method should work, right? So we're going to get, we're going to, the Gemara is going to analyze that. That's a fascinating analysis. Why would Basila, uh, why would Beit require you to do both? It seems like either method should work. Both Mfakvik or no, or no time should work. Uh, and now a third shita, the final shita in the Mishnah, Rabbi Meir Omer, no telacham time ve'eno mefakvik. He's taking a stance. He doesn't like mefakvik. For whatever reason, he doesn't think mefakvik should work. He only w- allows you to take off the boards and put on regular schach. Can you guess, Andrew, why that would be? I, I, can, I can answer it. Okay, here's, I'm going to answer You ready? Because if you have boards that are for a ceiling and you loosen them and put it back on, you're using boards for a ceiling. And that might fall into the category of Gazeras Tikra. That's going to give us some insight here. There's two things going on here. There's Tasa Velomina Asui and there's Gezeris Tikra. So now, all of a sudden, we still have a good question. In other words, your mayor is concerned about Gezeris Tikra. So he's telling you, right, you can't use these boards as schach. You have to certainly remove enough boards that there's more schach than boards. Otherwise, you have the problem of Gezeris Tikra. Your mayor makes the most sense. Why would you be allowed to be mefakfik and then let it back down? Why, why does that help? Okay, so we'll have to get into, into that. And Beit Shammai, 
right? So we're going to get into this. Beit Shammai, who says that you have to do both. Well, if Mefakveh doesn't, what, why does he say that? Because Mefakveh doesn't help. If that's the case, then he's exactly saying the same thing as Rameir, that we have a problem with Gezeira Stikra. So let's see how the Gemara analyzes it. Fascinating here. Bishlam Beisola says the Gemara, Taimayu Mishim Tasev Lomina Asoy. I can understand the base Hillel is going to say Mefak fake works because, after all, I can understand the Svara, Tasev Lomina Asoy. So, I Mefak fake Ovid Lemaise. So, therefore, how do you avoid Tasev Lomina Asoy? One way to avoid it is Mefak fake. Do what Rabbi Isaacson does take the boards off, put it back on. That would work. Or, if you take out every other board, now again, the Ran is explaining here that this part of the Gemara, when we explain Basilel, has nothing to do with Gezeras Tikra. Let's assume, right, that these boards are Rav Isaacson's boards. Let's assume that they are three Tvachim wide. This has nothing to do with Gezeras Tikra. Simply, you're turning your house into a sukkah and you're trying to figure out, right, how are you going to, right, um, how are you going to avoid Tase Velomina Asui from your already ready-made house. Okay, that's how the Ron explains. There's a lot of different ways to go here, but we have to keep the straight and narrow because you can read the entire Gemara in a variety of ways. This is a lot of lambdas. This is a whole kaitzman. Anyway, so let's assume that the Gemara is going to say, right, but you're keeping it conceptually clean. You say, if the whole reason is Tasso Velomina Asui and there's no Gezeris Nisarim on these Nisarim, they're Rav Isaacson's wooden boards that are thin enough. So then Basil makes sense. Either take off half the boards and put on Schach, Rav Isaacson could do that too. Or be mefakveik all the boards, and then that would also work. Perfect. So we can understand Beis Hillel in that context. Ela Beis Shammai says the Gemara, Mai Taimayu. Why would Beis Shammai say that you would need both if the issue is Tasev Elomina Asoy? So says the Gemara, Imishim Tasev Elomina Asoy, if you're going to use Rav Isaacson's sukkah as our right paradigm for Beis Shammai, so then if the issue is Tasev Elomina Asoy, Bechad Asagi, any one of these methods could work. Again, Rav Isaacson does the, the fikfu because he likes that, he likes those nasarim. But in theory, he could just take away half of the boards and put on tzachach too. Okay, so that could not be Beit Shammai Svara. So then you'll say, okay, well, the reason why Beit Shammai asks you to do both is because he holds that these nasarim are treif, right? They're four tfachim wide. And therefore, there's a gzeras tikra. So says the Gemara, imishum gzeras tikra, if that's why Beit Shammai asks you to do both, then, but noitel achad mi time sagi. Then, really, only noitel achad mi time would work. In other words, mefakvek doesn't work for Gezeris Tikra. Because, like we just said within Ravuna, these Nasarim are treif. So, how are you going to take, how's mefakvek going to help you? Oh, so the Gemara answers, you're right. You're right. It's not because, right, Bechamai can't hold of Tasavalamana Asli, because for that, you wouldn't need both um, methods. So, so rather, really it's because of Gezeris Tikra, the Hachikami. And this is what Beit Shammai is saying. Right? That you're right. Beit Shammai isn't really saying that you need to do both. He's just saying that what you need to do is for sure remove at least half of the boards and fill it with schach. So when Rabbi Shammai is saying that you have to do both, what he's really saying is you have to do, right, um, and he just means that even if you were mefakvik, you still have to do oh. problem is, then, you're, then he's saying the same exact thing as Rameir. That's what Rameir said. 
Ema Seifa, Rabbi Meir Oimer, Noitelachas Minatayim, Avaloy Fakvik. Rabbi Meir, Hainu Beit Shammai. If the way you're interpreting Beit Shammai is to say that Mefakvik, bless you, Mefakvik doesn't work, and what you need to do is Noitelachas Minatayim, so then Rabbi Meir and Beit Shammai are saying the same exact thing. So the Gemara has to modify and say the following. Hachi Kamar. Lo nechleku Beit Shammai u'mizhilo bedavar zeh. What Rabbi Meir is saying, uh, here's the Chiddush that distinguishes Rabbi Meir from Beit Shammai. The Rabbi Meir holds that even Beit Hillel would agree with the Gezeris Tikra, and even Beit Hillel would agree that Pikbuk is, in fact, not going to work. Wow. Now the Mishnah makes sense in its construction, right? Because what you have is, no pun intended, because what you have is Rabbi Yehuda is presenting a machlokas between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel in this regard about whether Pikbuk would work. And Rabbi Meir, and that's why he's introducing Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Normally they can speak for themselves in the Mishnah. But that's why he's introducing Rabbi, uh, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Whereas Rabbi Meir is, whereas Rabbi Meir is saying no, that he, this is not a machlokas Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. This is in fact a shita that both Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel agree, agree upon. Now, this is going to get really close to sounding like our previous Mishnah. You might have already noticed that our previous Mishnah had a machlokas about Mesachin ben Asarim, where the same Balei Plukta, Rabbi Huda allowed being Mesachin ben Asarim, and Rabbi Meir did not, right? Allow me to read the first line in the previous Mishnah. Mesachin ben Asarim, Divi Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Meir Oser. Okay, so you see, it would therefore stand to reason that if Rabbi Yehuda allows you to be Masachech ben Asarim, that he thinks that this, that Pikpuk would work. He would think that Basil holds that Pikpuk would work, right? As opposed to Rabbi Meir, who categorically, right, Asr is being Masachech ben Asarim, he does not hold that Pikpuk would work, and he holds that Basil agrees with Beit Shammai that Pikpuk would work, and that you need to be not al Achaz bin Atayim. Isn't that beautiful symmetry, Barry? Anyway, <laughs> so the Gemara then says like this. My Kamash Malan. Okay, so in light of all that we've discussed and this beautiful symmetry that we've been able to uh, line up here, what is the mission of the, the, therefore teaching us? The Rabbi Meir is like Gezeris Tikra, Rabbi Yehuda Leis like Gezeris Tikra. At the end of the day, is our Mishnah therefore by saying that the way we just explained that Rabbi Yehuda uh, presents Beisham Beisil to us and Rabbi Meir says that they both agree that there's a Gezeris Tikra, what it boils down to is what we just said, that it basically is a machlokis from Meir Yehuda about Gezeris Tikra, to which the Gemara now says, but we just had that machlokis in the last Mishnah, right? Yes, thank you. You just explained so beautifully the symmetry of how this Mishnah, it's Lashitasam, and they hold like the previous Mishnah, but it's, it's worse than that. It's literally saying the same thing as the previous Mishnah, which is redundant. That's an issue, right? We already had this. It's not like we just learned in the previous Mishnah. So now we have a problem that we have two Mishnayas that are teaching us the same thing, one after the other, and that redundancy needs to be resolved because we would never say, do that. So, in order to resolve that, the Gemara is now going to reinterpret the previous Mishnah as follows. A new concept, not Gezeris Tikra, 
Our Mishnah is about Gezeris Tikra, because obviously, right, we're talking about a case where we took 6106 Rusk and took the roof off. Obviously, we're talking about a Tikra. The Mishnah previous, you thought that those Nasarim was about Gezeris Tikra? No, let's reframe it. It's smoothed boards, and it's a Gezeris Kalim. What's Gezeris Kalim? Well, smooth boards look a lot like Kalim that are Makabal Tumah. They look a lot like either metal kalim or kalim that are made, utensils are made out of, and thus they perhaps should not be used because of a gazera that if we let you use those kalim, those smooth boards, you can end up using actual kalim that are um, a treif material for schach. Kalim that are in fact makabotum or, or, or in some way don't fulfill the, the requirements of schach and therefore the whole, when Rabbi Yochanan taught sukkah, his suggestion was that the machlokis Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, when they talked about Nisarim, was not, right, rough wood, gazeras, ticker type boards at all. It was rather smooth boards, as Saf would say, and therefore it was talking about um, a totally different gazera, gazeras kalim. Gazeras kalim is, do you use those boards uh, at all? lest you might come to use actual material that's not kosher v'schach. However, the Gemara says that can't be really the teretz, the explanation of that Mishnah, because we say, Don't forget, we recently had a machlokus about the male and female arrows. So if you might recall, the female arrows are treif because they have a klikibul. And the male arrows are okay to use because they don't have a Kli Kibul. So that was good. And says the Gemara, and don't forget, over there, the only reason we didn't use the, the female arrows is because they literally had a Kli Kibul and therefore they were trafe to use. But we never made a Gezerah that you can't use the male arrows because you might confuse them with the female arrows. Well, if you don't make that Gezerah, then why would you make the Gezerah the Gezeris Kalim on Nasari Meshupim, right? In both cases, you have what? Something that looks similar to the thing that is treif, but it itself is kosher, and yet we don't make a Gezer and we let you use it. So if we don't, right, make that Gezer by arrows, why would we make the Gezer by Nasarim? That's what the Gemara is saying. Hachanami lo nigzer Nasarim Meshupim Kalim. And therefore, Rabbi Yehuda Amarav, based on our approach to the arrows, rejects the concept of Gezeris Kalim altogether. So Gzeras Kalim is not a thing. If the schach is kosher, it's kosher. We don't care if it looks like some other schach that's not kosher. Okay? Good. So we don't have Gzeras Kalim. So how are we going to explain the redundancy in the Mishnah? As follows. We have to say the following. It says the Gemara. We're going back to saying that the Machlokas Rebuter Mayor is Gzeras Tikra. The Seifa Pligi be Gzeras Tikra. And also our Mishnah is talking about Gzeras Tikra. Okay? So why are they teaching the same thing? As follows. So why do we have the same machlokas about Gezeris Tikra twice? Says the Gemara, Seifa Rabbi Yehuda, the Ka'amar Lele Rabbi Meir, Amai Ka'asar Penesarim, Mishum Gezeris Tikra. It is a dialogue in the base Medrash. That the first time we're introduced to this machlokas, it's just Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir setting out their shitas, Rabbi Yehuda holding that there is a Gezeris Tikra, uh, Rabbi Yehuda holding, right, that there is no Gezeris Tikra, the Mesachim in Nisarim, and Meir says that the Nisarim are Aser. And then our mission is a follow-up, right, halachic dialogue between these two giants, right? 
where Rabbi Yehuda says to Meir, "Am I kasar ben Asar Mishum Gazeres Tikkur Hasvarsla the Beitchanai who the Islahu who veit Hillelo Gazri?" That our Mishnah is a dialogue, and now you understand why our Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda bringing right the Shitas of Beitchanai and Bishilal because what he's doing, he's not doing it for us; he's doing it for Meir. He's explaining to Meir, "What do you hold like Beitchanai? You're siding with Beitchanai." After all, Beis Hillel doesn't hold that there's a Gezeras Tikra. So why are you holding like that, that there is a Gezeras Tikra? And then in, in the continuation of the dialogue of our Mishnah, the Amar Rebbe Meir, lo nechleku Beis Hillel bedavar zeh. That in fact, Rebbe Meir in our Mishnah, by saying, right, that only notel achas mibena time works, is saying back to Rabbi Yehuda, that in fact, Beis Hillel holds like Beis Shammai, that there is a Gezeras Tikra. And so our Mishnah is a, right, is really an encapsulation of a follow-up conversation from the previous Mishnah about whether base Hillel, in fact, holds of Gezeras Tikra. That is that answer. Fascinating. Fascinating. However, now, just before we finish and go start with the next Mishnah, we're going to add a little extra mustard on that hot dog. Watch this. We, 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 we talked about Rav Hillel uh, and talked about Rameyer and Rabbi Yehuda. But let's not forget about Rav and Shmuel. Says the Gemara, Don't forget, Rav understood that the Machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda, Rameyer. Now we're doing Chazara of the previous Gemara. We Chazara of the previous mission, now we're going to Chazara of the previous Gemara. The previous Gemara, don't forget, Rabbi Yehuda held, right, that you that there's no Gzeir's Tikkur, Rameyer held that there was. Rav held that that was a machlokas about Nasarim that had four tfachim wide. That it was literally that. That it was the machlokas about whether there is Gezeros sticker or not. But if you might recall, Shmuel did not hold like that. Shmuel held that everybody, both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir, held that there's such a thing as a Gezeros Tikra, and their only machlokas was, is that Gezeros Tikra chal on a board that's between three and four tfachim wide. Less than three tfachim, that's like, you can't say it's worse than air, and Lovud works within three tfachim, so that, leave that out. But between three and four tfachim wide, there, that was the Nakuda Samachlokes, right? Where Rabbi, right, where Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, now, until four tfachim, there's, you're not going to have a Gezeris Tikra. You need to have the usual convention, four by threes, in order to, to uh, activate the Gezeris Tikra. So what the Gemara is saying now is, that we just couched both our Mishnah and the previous Mishnah as being a fundamental machlokas as to whether we hold of a Gezerah sticker altogether. Well, if that's the case, so then that is really the way Rav views our previous Mishnah, that there's such a machlokas, right? The Rebbeir is like Gezerah sticker. Rav Yehuda is like Gezerah sticker. However, asks the Gemara, El Lishmuel, the Amr B'Shein Bein Arba Machlokas, but according to Shmuel, who held that it was just a detail with, that everybody held of Gezeir Stikra, and it, the Machlokas from Yehuda Rameir was just a detail within that Gezeir Stikra, whether it applies to three or four Tvachim, right? This means literally, that the Machlokas is when it's between three and four Tvachim. But once there's four Tvachim, everybody, according to Shmuel, both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda would hold that there's a Gezeir Stikra, Seifa B'may Pligi. So once you say that, so then what's our Mishnah talking about? Sefer here is referring to our Mishnah. What is our Mishnah talking about? I thought our Mishnah was a machlokas about Gezeris Tikra. 
well, if there is no machlokas about Kazarius Tikra, then we must have to revamp our entire Mishnah in order to understand what it means. So the Gemara defends Rav Shmuel and says, no, Rav Shmuel can still understand our Mishnah, and our Mishnah is in fact not redundant, nor is it a dialogue um, continuation of the previous Mishnah, but our Mishnah is addressing a new topic. Again, all this is according to Rashi. I think it's clean, clean, as follows. It says, and with a little help of the Ramban, the truth is even Rashi gets involved in the fray a little bit about four versus three Tfachim, and the Ramban comes in, according to Simon Wolf, and sort of smooths it out. But anyways, be that as it may, we're going smooth here. It's, the Gemara is flowing, so I'm happy. The logic of the Gemara is flowing. What is, according to Shmuel, going to be the machlokis in our Mishnah between Rabbi Yudah Meir as follows. Bibitule tikr kamiflagi. Ooh. Mar savar batla bahachi. Omar savar bahachi lo batla. The question is, the question is, once you have, mind you, right, mind you, the uh, roof is actual roof material, right? So once you actually have a tikra made out of this material, can, does pickbook even help? Can you actually lift up those boards? Would pickbook help? Like, can you imagine, even if you hold, right, that everybody holds of a gazeras tikra, maybe even if you hold of a gazeras tikra, you can nullify said gazeras tikra by ripping up the tikra. Now you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you, everybody holds it as a gazeras tikra, then you can't take these four tzvachim boards and use them to make schach. Aha. So this is, again, this is just according to summary shonen, but I think it makes the most sense. Rashi explains it. I don't think we need to read it inside, but there's a delicious Rashi here called Bibitule Tikra who explains the following. It's a fascinating thing. I'm like so tempted to read it. Let's see. We're at the symbolic time of 613 and we're about to turn the page. It's, it's really close, Andrew. It's a very symbolic time. Is that supposed to be a message to do it or not to do it? Oh, goodness. Rashi. Um, Rabbi Yehuda Savar, uh, you know what? I'll say it outside. Just, I don't want to take chances. Uh, like this, Rashi says, fascinating. Here's the irony, here's the irony. Were, this is really ironic, I think you'll agree. A lot of people use the word ironic when something's coincidental. They say, isn't it ironic that we both ended up here? No, that's coincidental. Ironic would be something else. This is true irony. The irony is that if you had no roof whatsoever and you put on the Nasarim, that would be Gezeras Tikra, right? In other words, according to Shmuel, who holds that both Mayor and Rebuda hold of Gezeras Tikra, you certainly can't use these four fucking boards. Okay. So the irony is, if you had no, right, you put up the walls, now you're ready to put up the schach. Because you're not going to do Tasev Lomina Asui, you're Tamil Chacham, you learn Masech Sukkah. Fine, walls are up, let's put up these boards. If you had no ceiling and you put up the boards, Gezeras Tikra, obviously, everybody would agree, according to Shmuel, that would be puzzle. But, ironically, if you had an actual Tikra, if you had a house and you tried to convert it into a sukkah, then you might, bless you, be able to employ the concept of bitul tikra. Right? You might be able to say, ah, by demonstrating that I don't want these boards, I'm going to rip them up. You are then therefore allowed to rip them up and put it back down because you mevatil the status of the tikra. Right? You can't do that if you don't have a ticker to start with, obviously. But So if you have airspace, that's ironic, I think. If you have airspace, you can't put on these boards. But if you have an actual ticker, 
and you went and physically tore it apart and put it right back together, that would be mutter. That's the machlokis for Meir and Rabbi Yehuda, according to Shmuel and our Mishnah. Let, uh, not even necessarily with spaces. That is... Yes, this is called bitul tikra, according at least to Rashi and the Ramban. But the resulting tikra is a tikra of a sukkah, which then looks like a proper tikra and has more shade than sun and has openings to see the stars. Right. Yeah. What Andrew's articulating is the is is really the uh, many rishonim tosvos among them that say, "How could you do that? How could you say the bitul tikra works? Are you really seriously going to tell me that you're taking four tefachim?" Like Mahadrin, Xeris Tikra boards, and 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 using them, putting them right back down with no space between them, and it's going to work. So some Rishonim, because of that, have to modify it as Andrew seems to desire to do, which means maybe we really should have to see him at his house because he's going to have a badat sukkah. And then, and according to all the shitos, they're going to say no. This has to be talking about less than four tefachim. This has to be a different thing. Maybe there's some space. There has to be a different answer. And then you got to rework the pshat and the gemara, right? Since that's my priority, you know, your sukkah halachic status is not my priority. Pshat and the gemara is my priority. I'm going to not reinterpret the entire gemara from scratch based off of your halachic observation, which is a very. But I am going to. Uh, concede that it's a very important observation because it plays into Rishonim. Could you really? They're incredulous. Could you really take these four talking boards, take them off and put it back on and not be subject to Gezeris Tikra? According to some Rishonim, like Rashi, according to Pashpashat and the Gemara, yes. This is called Bitul Tikra, Andrew. B- b- says the Gemara, Bitulay Tikra Kamiflagi. Mara Savar Batla Bahachi, Umara Savar Bahachi Lo Batla. That literally Rabbi Huda would say that you could literally just by loosening alone you could be mivatal tikra. Isn't that fascinating? Really, really fascinating. Uh, Lumdus and 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 um, I'm shot over here. Fine. Okay, we got it. Now we're going to go to Barry's sukkah. This is embarrassing because people are starting to file in for davening, and we have to talk about Barry's pathetic prefab sukkah. Sorry, Barry. Here we go. Next Mishnah on Tesvam Amid Aleph as follows. Hamikara sukasa bishpudim and baruchos amita. So what is, how does Barry build a sukkah? We've, we've seen it. It's sad. He takes like pieces of um, bed frame, which are obviously urshpudim, which as we already said is like metal. It's mekabotumah. He's dismissive of the chazanish. Just kidding, Barry. And he uses something which is mekabotumah as the frame, as many people do in the prefabs, right? To support his chach. Okay? It's allowed, right? These, these, these sukkahs have a badatz. Nobody's judging, Barry. However, how much frame uh, that's not kosher schach can you have to support this sukkah to keep uh, and still maintain a kosher sukkah? Says the Mishnah. If there's as much space for kosher sukkah, obviously, you're filling said space with kosher sukkah. If there is enough space between them to fill the gaps with psal, right, with the, with the perfect badat schach, shera, the sukkah is going to be kosher. Fine. We'll analyze that in the Gemara. Then we just, the next statement of the Mishnah, we've already famously addressed this issue. Can, can you dig out a haystack and say, oh, this is great. This is all made out of perfect sukkah material? No. That's going to be a problem. Classic. It's a real problem. Uh, just the Rashi of says, Rashi ben Shpud, 
So Rashi is already anticipating what we know is going to be the issue, which is, can you have, what is going to be the halacha if it's going to be exactly 50-50? It's going to be exactly 50-50, frame and schach, and kosher schach, is a sukkah going to be kosher or not? So let's see. Says the Gemara. Perhaps our Mishnah asks the Gemara is making a statement about how we feel about 50-50. Where else do we see 50-50? All over Erevin and Mechitzah Shabbos. As follows. Says the Gemara. Maybe our Mishnah that seems to imply that chatzi chatzi is okay, that paritz ka'omed, right? That for, for when you have paritz ka'omed in the case of, right, Mechitzos meant that what? <laughs> that when you have more, when you have exactly, parts ke'omet, exactly the same amount of space when you're building a mechitza on Shabbos as you do have walls, right? Perhaps it's not good enough, which is to say that Ravuna Bredev Shua said that when you have parts ke'omet, you need to have a little bit more omet than parts in order to count as a mechitza. Well, our Mishnah seems to imply that if you have exactly chetzi chetzi, it's a kosher sukkah. So what do we look at chetzi chetzi? Is it glass? Half empty or half full? So, chetzi chetzi with regards to Mechitza Shabbos, Ravuna Brader of Shur said the glass was half empty. But here in our Mishnah, it, it implies that when we say chetzi chetzi, the glass is half full. So, if Papa Amar Mutter, Ravuna Brader of Shur, Amar Asr, right? When it came to Mechitza Shabbos, Rav Papa said, we look at it as half full, as he always does, Rav Papa. Whereas Ravuna Brader of Shur looked at it as half empty, is Ravuna Brader of Shur against our half full approach of the, of our Mishnah? Says the Gemara, no. Amalacha Ravuna Breda of Shua, my Kamosan, Benichnas Viyotse. The way Ravuna Breda of Shua would get out of it would say that no. When it comes to Mechitzas Shabbos and when it comes to the Schach, if the glass is exactly half and half, we, it, we say it's not enough. The glass is going to be half empty. We're going to look, we're going to need to have a, at least a little bit more Schach than, right, than bed frame in order to make it kosher. Well, how is Nichnas Viyotse implied? Because he's saying physically, when you take, right, the, right, the kosher schach in and out, in order to be able to take it in and out, if you ever try to take a safer out of a bookshelf or put it back in, right, it can't be the exact, exact dimensions of the bookshelf. It has to be a little bit of airspace in order to be able to smush it in. Similarly here, when we say it's half and half, we're saying that it's half and half enough. First you put up, how do you make the sukkah? First you put up the frame, then you put on the schach, but you'd never be able Right, to wedge in the schach if it was exactly half and half. Therefore, says Ravuna Brady Yeshua, it must be that a little bit more airspace than bed frame, and therefore, by definition, a little bit more schach than bed frame. And that's why we're saying half and half, but it really is, by definition, a little bit more schach, and that's why it's kosher in our Mishnah. Not because half and half, when it's exactly half and half, works, but simply because of uh, this. Now we turn to Tesvavim Beis, and we have three minutes, and maybe it's enough for this Tesvavim Beis. It says, uh, after Lutzamtim, Again, big Machlokas Rashi Tosfos. You see, Tosfos can't be ignored here about what it means. So one way of saying it is, it's theoretically possible to make it, right? If you wanted to construct it, this is one way of learning the Gemara, if you wanted to construct it exactly half and half, you could, right? You don't have to put the bed frame and then squeeze in the schach. You could like put them right up against each other. So I'm Ravami, Ravami, right? It's true, but still, it, it talking about a person who didn't do it that way, right? So according to Rashi, it sounds like just this dialogue. Yeah, you could do it that way, but you didn't do it that way. Tosfa says ma'adif means no, you overwhelmed it with tzach, and that's halachically significant. But that's one way. Or Rav Amar, ma'adif. Let's say it was half and half. Ima shasi nosnan ar erev, erev nosnan shasi. The case here is where you did what? 
you placed, let's say, the frame, and it was all horizontal, and then you did a, a right, a perpendicular vertical, filled it with schach, Rashi, amazing, again, employs bittel. The Rabbeinu Hanan and Rabbeinu have a kasha here, but employs bittel, which is to say, right, when you put up a sukkah and you put up a frame horizontal, the vertical schach, by definition, covers the entire sukkah, right? In other words, you're not just covering it, when you cover it parallel, it's half and half. When you cover a perpendicular, in order for there to be schach, you're covering it all. Says Rashi, by definition, that's bittel. So finally, right? We're talking about a wooden bed frame. Kedamar b'chanan ami ama rebi barucha v'shesi karaim b'ksar ushtei karaim hachanai barucha ushtei karaim rather b'ksar ushtei karaim. We're talking about a bed frame. How could you use a bed frame? After all, it's makabel tuma. That gets into a question in the Mishnah and Kalim where we will start discussing tomorrow with regards to the two dots over here in Tesvav Abed. We'll do that last little shtickle to explain how Kalim plays into this issue of whether this bed frame that Barry is using to build the sukkah is in fact Makabal Tumah or not. I'll stop here.